What's happening, y'all? It's time for the Hashtag Show. Come on, come on. Come join in. It's time. Hey, Alyssa, how you doing? Hey, Jamie. Hey, Caleb. Watching uh, a little bit of NBA basketball playoffs while editing some videos. And we just got our man... Christopher Wheeler here. We got our man James Axel Vassar uh, here. Holy cow! This is a, a prompt start. The uh, the good old hashtag Racing Family Show. Mister Wheeler, how you doing? Oh, Marshall, it's a beautiful evening here in Pittsburgh, Indiana, and uh, made even better because as I'm scrolling through Twitter, I see that my man Tiger Woods is doing a practice around at Southern Hills. And that makes me happy, seeing the greatest of all time pick up a golf club. Hopefully, he'll play in the tournament upcoming. But um, how are you? How's Birmingham, Alabama, or shall I say Leeds, Alabama? I'm in Leeds. I'm right next to a Cracker Barrel. So uh, I am feeling down home. This is the state that produced my wife. So uh, really, I've, I've actually been here on quote vacation i don't know if alabama and vacationing is a thing but uh gold source met uh met her mom uh what six months before we got married met most of her family so this was back in the day but hey people don't care about that we got jimmy vassar here james unmute yourself brother say hello mike is on there he is, the flying V. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm honored to be invited. Uh, it's been a few, a few uh, minutes with you guys tonight. Well, we got, v, well, we got V12 here. That's all I know. So, uh, <laughs> so things, are Marshall. Different. I got to tell you, when I was a young kid, and I thought I wanted to be a race car driver. I grabbed my mom's Rolodex one day, and I started calling people. And I called my old buddy Jimmy Vassar up. I was about ten years old. <laughs> And I said, Jimmy, I want to be a race car driver, man. You want to sponsor me? And Jimmy Vassar and Vassar Chevrolet was my first ever sponsor. <laughs> That's wow. right. That's right. That's right. Now you were uh, you were quite an aggressive young man, Wheeler. Well, I was just out there trying to learn that hustle. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> yeah, you were doing it, man. You got it done. But um, 31 days, everybody, 31 days away from the running of the Indianapolis 500, and. You know, one of the reasons I talked to Jimmy this week about him joining us was because I wanted somebody with experience, firsthand knowledge, and who's a great storyteller before we jumped into too much month of May stuff to talk to us about our old buddy, Ted Prappas. Mm -hmm. And Jimmy, I'm going to, I'm just going to sit back here and listen and let you kind of give your tribute to the guy that drove the St. Oda Drugs car for PIG Racing, the company that led my family, got my family in IndyCar, the one that led us to Indianapolis. Um, wow. I, uh, she, I mean, Marshall Stewart, Marshall's right. Your story last week was uh, was so awesome and right on point and, and much appreciated. It, was, it, helped, it helped a lot of people to understand, you know, who Ted was and how – and how he came up through the, you know, the hard ranks, just racing your way up in tough times, you know, Atlantic Super V's and, and making it to IndyCar and, and, and that whole, with that team, PIG. You know. That's how I met Ted. 
and, and, and met and met Ted's brother Will, who was an integral part of my life. So, uh, no, that was just uh, you know he was a great guy, you know, very quiet and and uh, but strong, like a strong quiet. He and he really he really pushed the, pushed the limits in the car. He uh, just a great guy, and uh, and it's going to be sorely missed. One of the things, Jimmy, that maybe you can shed some light on. Don't so much have this nowadays, unfortunately, but in the era that you and I came up in the 1980s, West Coast, open wheel racing and whatnot, there was a real brotherhood. The uh, the, the Rat Pack, whatever you want to call it, uh, I mean, we, there's probably a dozen drivers at minimum that uh, we can mention. The Groff brothers, the Brens, Krosnoff, Prappas brothers, obviously, you know, you can keep going on and on and on. Mark Smith, there was just a real big and awesome community of young open wheelers. Ted might have been a little bit older than yeah. Than you most throw PT, you throw PT in the mix there. You know, PT had some very nice tributes to Ted, and yep. uh, and looked up but, to him, and and everybody had a soft spot in their in their heart for Prappas too. You know, he wasn't sideways with anybody. He raced hard. You raced, and you know, he beat you. You beat him, and. And he was almost racing hard, but had a, you know had a great outlook on life and uh, great sense of humor. You know, and a strong figure. You know, Ted was quietly he was a strong dude. I like the culture, Jimmy. I just like the culture that you and all the others came up in, where you would just ragdoll each other in whatever class it was, whether it's Formula Fords, Atlantic Super V, yada yada yada. But there's also a really good bond, and that's maybe the thing that jumps out. Dave Kudrave is another one who comes to mind. Just you know, so that was many- all. Yeah, that was all the pre kind of road to indie stuff that you get now, right? It's yeah. all kind of set. You see the you see the young guys and and girls coming up, and uh, you know, and they're right there at the indie car races. We, you know, that was that was always a treat for us, like you know, Formula Ford or even Atlantic to to be able to be the. You know the sideshow to IndyCar, and then have 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 the chance to get noticed, maybe, maybe, right? And uh, so now it's kind of it's it's much more structured and way better in a way for the young drivers to to show. But that's what we had back then, right? That's we all kind of we were all scrapping in our own series. And that's another thing I just wanted to raise here, coming circling back to Ted coming out of this really deep and rich West coast junior open wheel, uh, group that you were a part of Jimmy, I mean, Ted came up and came along in a time as did you and some others where if you had talent that I'm not saying it was enough to get, you know, Roger Penske wasn't necessarily going to call you right away, but doors could be opened opportunities for someone like Ted who wasn't throwing around money to buy this ride or that ride. Uh, and so on. This is just a pretty cool time, right? Where the talented yeah. ones were, were, they got the calls. And even if it was for a smaller team like Norm Turley's, uh, Ted got a shot, man. He did, you know, and he, and he, and he earned it too. I mean, he was in Atlantic. So he was at, uh, you know, the Formula Pacific, the Tasman Grand Prix over there running up front. And, and uh, you know, what that was, uh, uh, Tracy mentioned that in his story. Uh, Super reason, you know, Atlantic's mostly, and then Indy Lights. And then, yeah, getting the call to, to go to Indy. And then, you know, I know that, you know, his run there to put it in the race, you know, when there's a lot of cars back then and it was, you're there for two weeks grinding it out. And you could, you know, if your car crashed or something happened to you, you, 
you had to take it out of the speedway. You couldn't fix it and run it again, so particularly if you got if you got bumped. It's just a different time, different strategy. Well, Jimmy, you and I talked this week on the phone, and it's not that it's any wasn't any better or any worse or whatever than today's world that we're in. But I just, man, I'm really curious your thoughts and and how your your brain remembers this. You show up in Indianapolis as a rookie, and take me through the process of. There's a ton of cars. Yeah, you know, just, just 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 to kind of wrap up on my comments on Ted that Marshall asked. You know, it, that was like the culmination of all. It, it just, he, he laid it all out there with an inferior car, and a lot of times, you know, cars are inferior now too. But back then, to make the race, your car inferior car was maybe a one or two year old chassis with, you know, some some engine that's that's no that's notably down on power. Where nowadays, you know, you, nobody would nobody would live with that, right? Fists would be slammed on the table. But you you knew you had an inferior car, and and that's what Ted was, uh, you know, dealing with when he put himself in the show there in '92, and that was that was a that was a really cool moment for Ted. There was there was a lot of good people on that program. Oh yeah, shit. We're just talking about I mean, your, your your dad and, and Turley, and you know, you, 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 you had Larry Larry Curry. Yeah. Um, you had Mike Horvath who went on to win the Indy 500 as a crew chief for crew chief for Dan Weldon at Andretti Autosport. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know Bones worked at HPD for a while. You had, um, oh goodness, one of the team managers now from Ray Hall. Yeah, no, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure there was just a top, uh, top among other guys that moved on. You know, the same thing. You know, I don't want to. You know, I don't know how this conversation's going. And I know you mentioned you want to talk about kind of old days of indie. We're also talking about Ted, you know, and they all, it was that, that moment, that 92 when, uh, uh, and I was a rookie and I was in there too. It was, it was just a different time. And, and, and most people know it, but maybe, maybe not everybody does. Certainly a lot of the drivers today, they, they, they don't know it cause they didn't live it, but they, you know, they, they can know the math about two weeks of practice instead of one, but it's a whole different animal. Yeah, and I gotta I gotta say it because I just remembered it. Um, Ricardo Nault, who's one of the managers yeah, and leaders yeah, there at Ray Hall, yeah, he was a mechanic on that deal, along with just a plethora of other great people that have have been in the sport and still are. But, but yeah, I mean, um, obviously that PIG group too. Don't forget, it had one of the one of the biggest superstars ever to run in Indy Lights by the name of Vince Neal. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Vince Neal. So, you he know, it certainly was probably the biggest superstar to ever run Indy Light. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's a factual statement. Five-year-old Chris Wheeler was just loving life. But, um, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so where were where were you working then, Marshall? Let me see. Uh, 91, 92. I think I still would have been Pfeiffer Ridge. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. 90, yeah. 91, uh, we had... Uh, we bought two X P one racing. We bought bill two uh, Swift DB four Atlantics from bill Fickling. And so mm-hmm. it was Lesnet and one. I and remember Tom, that. That you hit that Dooley. big low red and yep. The yeah. rip off comp tech, the total comp tech yeah. rip off, uh, <laughs> or Mar- uh, which was originally Marlboro. Yeah, basically. So yeah, uh, we borrowed that for Atlantic team, but, uh, yeah, so it was with Lesnet kind of 91, 92. Uh, but watching, you know, I mean, as Again, the cool part was for anybody who's seen me post old photos from the 80s and 90s in cart or whatever, 
it's strictly because whenever I was done wrenching on whatever or doing whatever, and I saw Ricardo uh, Pinero, who is our crew chief for John Ennick, like turn away, I would grab my camera <laughs> and run in the opposite direction and sneak away for 10 or 15 minutes to go shoot some photos during the IndyCar session and come back. But yeah, that, so that, that was just the cool part, Jimmy, because whether you were uh, in Atlantics or lights or whatever it was, yeah. you know, there was just this community during this era where we love, you know, we're all kind of rolling and doing our thing, having a great time and watching amazing talent uh, like Ted or he granted, he wasn't that amazing, but Vince Neal doing his best. And it's just like, <laughs> Hey, Whoa. Uh, yeah, the crew guy uh, with the say no to drugs uh, stickers on his <laughs> yeah. car too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sure. How, how would how would that fly today? And uh, you know, uh, yeah, that's so funny. Yes, yeah. The, I the still have it. I, irony. I still have my T-shirt. So it would have been ninety two or ninety three, Long Beach Grand Prix. My I think it was ninety two. My first ever IndyCar race I ever went to was Long Beach that year. Um, and, uh, my family, who's still my accountant, Tim Bonney, he was one of the owners of that program and his wife led this group with all these kids around. We got to go down the pit area and we had these little St. Other Drugs t-shirts and I still have it autographed by the starting field. Um, dang, what a great time that was. Yeah, yeah it was good. I interviewed, uh, I still have to get this podcast done. And I know some folks are really sick and tired of hearing me say that, but, uh, I think it was month of May, like 2018 through a couple of mutual connections, I uh, actually interviewed Vince uh, talking about his Indie Lights days. So I've got that as a podcast that I need to put together. But it was it was pretty fun. Then I spoke with Norm Turley, his team owner, and then his teammate, Crazy Tommy Byrne. So I'll put that oh. as a little feature. Yeah, Byrne. That's great. Yeah, yeah, Tommy. Hey. I love Tommy. Dude, oh. Tom, Tommy, Tommy Byrne, an absolute legend. Um so I kind of I kind of hit it there, kind of kind of jumped ahead there, Jimmy, a few minutes ago, and I and I asked a question, but I, I just want to set this stage, right? It's your rookie year, you're showing up at Indianapolis. I mean, these are the days when you know if you didn't have speed in your car, the big teams they would go get cars from a year prior or backup cars from other guys. Everybody had a T car, like you said. If you if your car physically got bumped, it left the grounds. It wasn't well, like that was, yeah, it was it was the rules. The rules were. Yeah. That you came into the speedway, at, you know, on whatever day, you know, it was two weeks of practice and and qualifying. And then you had two, you, you had whatever cars you had entered, your serial numbers were what you had. And three attempts. you got three attempts per car if you didn't. Yeah, make three it attempts per car. car. Or if you crashed it and it was destroyed, you can't fix it. They deemed it, you know, not, you know, not a, not a sound car. You just get that out of there too, right? Now you're down to one. And, uh, yeah, three attempts per per serial number, you know, or per car number. It was usually it was, you know, your car number and then a T, a T car. So was that your first super speedway? Oh yeah, yeah yeah, for sure. It was my first year. I ran the only thing I did before that was Phoenix. So just, an oval. I mean, obviously, I mean, you 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 had that no test, no testing either. You just show up at rookie orientation. <laughs> I mean, you had, you know, you, you, <laughs> you know, and, I, and you got, and you, and you're happy to have what would now be like the biggest shit box in the paddock, right? <laughs> and guys probably say, no, I'm not driving that shit box, <laughs> you know, and no, you were, you were happy to, you were happy to drive that shit box. 
Yeah, no safer barriers uh, in 92 <laughs> as well. So, uh, I mean, you just want to talk about full speed and full consequences. That's why I was laughing. It's like, yeah, just turn up and do your thing. You're like, what? Really? So was yeah. that the, was that the Codalux Hey Ho special? It, it wasn't Codalux special by that yet because we didn't have sponsor. Oh. It was the Stars and Stripes, remember? It was the Dennis Stripes. And, and, uh, and I show up to do the rookie test. And I do like. I don't know. I, 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 well, first of all, I failed the eye test in the damn, at the, <laughs> at the physical. And I had to go down to Lens Crafters down closer to the 465. Lens <laughs> Yeah, Lens Crafters. It was right down there. It was right off 38th Street. No, no, it was right there on 16th Street, just closer okay. by, over by Union Jacks. You're right. Yeah. Yep. So then I got the I got the lens crafters cut them up for me real good. They were like kind of PT style glasses. I I, it was, well, I look back at pictures and say, why did I choose those? You know, but I did. And uh, I, I finally, what it was it, it was kind of funny. And if you ever talked to Mike Hall, he, you know he he was there. I mean, he the the whole thing happened because of Mike Hall. That's another hour and a half, but we we don't want to go down that road. Uh, because he, you know, he's just such an amazing. Look where he's at now, right? Mike Holt, that was my team manager. So I go down to Lenscrest, and I and I I had done a couple of practice runs, and then I think I had to, you know, they sent me down and say, "Hey, you failed the eye test. You got to stop running and go get your glasses fixed." And I come back, and then I could honestly see like the ninety degree angle between the track and the wall. It's like, whoa, that's really a ninety degrees. Yeah, where the edge of the track is, because it used to always kind of be just rounded or blurry. <laughs> Man, this, this hey, is... let's let's do the Indy 500 with uh, kind of uh, not total clear focus. Uh, oh my gosh, Vasa, you're a freaking animal. Not that I didn't know that. No, but... it's just that was the time. It was the the car was the safest machine on the planet. You were like happy that you didn't drive like an 80s march there. You know, with your feet out in front of the front wheels, and you know, and everybody had a limp. You know, I was like, shit. I'm glad I didn't have to do that. You know. But no I'll do indie this. Shuffle. No indie shuffle for you. So this era, though, Jimmy, which I love, uh, you as a rookie, you guys uh, recall um, a lot of good people involved here uh, making this thing happen. But again, on a little bit of a shoestring, you've obviously had a lot of success as an IndyCar team owner, but you've also had times I know where budgets were a little bit tight can you tell folks what it was like at least as a rookie on a really tight budget uh in the car indycar series because it's not like the cars were spec it's not like hey if you got a chevy or a honda and a dw12 you're going to be able to you know qualify wherever you go if you didn't have all the money all the resources back then uh, there was some pretty big gambling uh, and risks going on right uh, I, you know, I guess you're just saying from, yeah, like from equipment stuff and, you know, I guess, uh, you, you just, you, you know, like I said before, you were happy to have what you had, you know, cause I was, you're in the game you had a shot or you're in the arena and that's what you want. That's where you wanted to be. And, you know, you, you always need some money, uh, no money doesn't get you anywhere. Uh, really for, for the team standpoint, it was nice though. We, like we touched back then, I was fortunate that with not really any, any big family backing or any, any backing corporate wise, uh, for myself that I always had good, good. I was always lucky to have people that decided they wanted to help me really. 
and, and but you know when you ever get those chances and you only get them because you because you you do well or you look win or at least look like you can and uh and i was and i was winning a bit and i was fortunate that that the the jim hayhoes and the rick coles and the angelo Farrows and the john delapanas uh and, you know yeah and the bob lesnitz you know i mean just people that you know when you're struggling along you can't always pay the bills you pay them eventually but that when the bills do you might not you might not have the money you know and uh and they're and they're and they're sensitive to your plight and they help as long as you if you're running good right and i was fortunate and that was the time you could you could do it then and i think you can still do it now young guys are, are making it uh you know young guys will make it if you if you if you got promise and you win and you're keep it on the tracks, uh, you know, then if you're winning, you're going to have a good shot at, at making a career out of it. I think I still believe that. So, so this is long before the, dra- the special made dragon optics glasses. Well, before the, the special hair product commercials, which I have on VHS. Oh God. And, and we'll find it, find a way to get digitalized at some point. I mean, you show up as a rookie. I mean, what, Obviously, your goal is to make the race, but I mean, is that in those days, right, when there was just car owners and drivers and opportunities? Are you are you focused on the right now more than you are the the future thing? Is it is it about building a, a program, building a group of people, or is it more about I'm just I'm week to week here and I need to make uh, sure you, I'm standing are on you the gas? Me back then? Are you talking about back, back then in '92 at Indy? Yeah, it was it was hour to hour, day to day. It was, it was a, it was a, it was a nightmare until it was, I mean, until it wasn't. And then again, it was kind of a nightmare. I mean, yeah, no, I lost, we lost a friend. I lost a friend. Uh, you know, Jovia Marcello died in practice. Yeah. He was, was a great friend and the, the Atlantic champion. We just got, you know, this, that was, that was, that was one of the low moments, lowest moment of my life then. Uh, and then, you know, we carry on pounding through the practice I think that I was, you know, I was, we had already gone through the first qualifying. I'm pretty sure we, yeah, we got gone to the first week and, and, uh, and early in the week we lost Jovi in practice. It's just kind of an outlap thing, kind of dumb. Wasn't going that fast. And, uh, his, his, uh, the headrest blew off and then he hit his neck in the back of the tub. Anyway, then later in the week, it was uh, Nelson PK had a terrible accident. And, uh, you know, in practice, trying to get up, you know, get the qualifying speed. I think it was the first week, that one. So it was just a tough, I don't know the sequences so much, but it was a tough introduction to the sport, quite honestly, to my first Indy 500, that 92. And the the race day, too. I mean, that's the other thing i got to remember here, Jimmy, is beyond everything that happened in practice, the race day itself being, you know, the coldest Indy 500 anyone can ever remember. Uh, that too, as a rookie, just not putting it in the wall was a serious victory that day. Because if you look at how many people found the wall, super veterans to you name it. Um, yeah, I'm just saying of all the years to do it for the first time, man. Yeah, I put it in the wall and busted my leg. Shit, you know, I was doing sheet time up there too. I- PT just blew an engine. It was like right about halfway and it was a restart. And I thought I, I was running in like 10th or 9th or something. That was for sure highest rookie at the time. Yep. And I, you know, I was a victim 
just like, you know, it was, it was amazing. It was how many people were in the hospital that night. So you told me a story the other day on the phone about your qualifying efforts. You were up in the 221s, maybe 222s, and you guys had like a plan. Like, we're not going to accept anything less than this. You go out in the heat of the day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it is, you know, it was, it was, Jim Hayho was a, anybody that knew him was, was such a great guy. He's, we called him the Flag City Windmill. It was He's like six foot seven. And, you know, so him and I walking up and down pit lane together was – it was, it was really a sight. And uh, <laughs> so he was the flag. We, he, but he was back then it was, you know, you waved the flag and, and you waved it off or you kept the time and you had a couple stopwatches around your neck. And so the, the plan was we weren't going to take anything, anything below like a, you know, two nineteen five. But he was, you know, back then the, the idea was take your first run because you only had three runs with the car. Take your first run if it's reasonable. Take what you got on first Saturday, and you're locked in uh, to the show. You know that's the whole thing, the show. And uh, you know, so we he and we ended up taking the time that was well below our take time, and uh, like two eighteen three or I mean, we were doing two twenties. It was really hot. We had a bad draw, and <laughs> um, yeah. So we we then sat on the bubble. And, you know, from the, that first weekend all through the next week of practice, we sat on the bubble and uh, didn't do a lot of race work because you have that one car that's in the show and that's the car. You don't want to jeopardize it. So we just would go out and do qualifying runs in the backup car to make sure that it was ready to do the time when we got bumped. We figured we would get bumped for sure. And, you know, that, that it was a, you know, and then it just you sat there for. It seemed like an eternity just waiting to have to put yourself back in the race whilst, whilst all these other things are going on, you know, people crashing um, and Jovi's, uh, Jovi's death, you know, it's just, it was, you know, it was, it was, it was a pretty heavy indoctrination. That's for sure. So what are you, what are your, on, on, on the positive side, um, what are some of your, the things that you just, that stick out about that rookie attempt? Which one? The first one or the second one? Well, just the, the first year when you, when you oh, showed up, just, would it be yeah. 92? All like, what things, stands yeah. out? What stands out are the things I'm talking about right now, man. You know, and then, you know, crashing in the race and breaking my leg and having to bump myself back in, getting bumped out, uh, bumped by, by Gordon Johncock. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, you know, he's a great champion and everything. And the, it just seemed like, you know, it's just, I, I was young and he was, that was his last year. I got to start, I started in the same row with Tom Sneva. You know, I got <laughs> bumped, I got bumped by Gordon Johncock. Legends. And yeah, all legends and the great, you know, it's like, wow. Even the, the races before I was coming down pit lane, leaving the pit lane behind Rick Mears, looking at his rear wing. It's like, wow, it's Rick Mears, you know, Emerson Fittipaldi. So they were all leaving the sport at that same time. I was just, just arriving. So you, that, you, you banged Never up your leg, huh? but you banged up your leg, but did you still go to the banquet? No, 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 no. Shit. I was in the hospital for a week. Dang. I had a compound fracture in my femur. Bro. Yeah. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't a, you know, you couldn't, Trammel couldn't build me a fiberglass brace for that, you know? So <laughs> that was, that was pre-Trammel. Hey, 
So um, no, it wasn't pre-trammel. He, I had a, no, I, have a I have a signature. I got a signature trammel. He uh, nowadays though trammel. He's got all these years on it with these. The first one I remember was an Andre Ribeiro, but that's a that's a whole other story. Uh, when he fixed him up um, and gave him a brace to race. But um, how about uh, Jimmy? If you're cool, that we're gonna have a couple of any some of our guests maybe uh, hit the request button. They can jump up and ask a question or two. Um, and so you guys go ahead and do that. But honestly, Jimmy, I was I was asking about the banquet to remember if like you know you got that first check or you know you've got that first paycheck, or whatever. Is that like the biggest moment you know as far, in your career to that point? It'd be like, holy cow, I just made blank amount of money like shit well, this, i was still kind of groggy out. man i just got i was in kind of just getting out of surgery so i don't remember that banquet didn't go there didn't get to see it on tv but when i finally got out of there i did get a check and I, and yeah it was the biggest paycheck i ever had in my life of course and it was you know it wasn't it wasn't a lot of money really but it was everything that i had then and it was uh yeah that was pretty bitching <laughs> Did Miller, uh, did Robin Miller come visit you when you're in the hospital and do the old, uh, hey, uh, you, you can hey, pay kids. back that three hundred dollars uh, you borrowed yeah. from me whenever, uh, whenever you're feeling better. That was his favorite thing to do. If somebody got their bell rung or was uh, hazy from anesthesia, uh, you'd always give him a hard time. Hey, you can get that five hundred bucks back to me whenever. What? <laughs> not, a, not a problem. Not a problem. All right. He probably did, man, but. Uh... The one thing I do remember, though, is that Mario was on my floor and Jeff was down in, in big trouble, right? And ready, yeah. Jeff had, you know, a career, almost basically a career ender. You know, just terrible, terrible accident. And he was in for a long time in ICU. I think he was a floor below. But so the whole family was there, right? And uh, and uh, I think Michael had broke down. Michael had a big lead and, you know, he should have won that one, I think. Uh, anyway, but I would smell. They had a private chef, and when I was kind of coming back around, and I'm, I'm get, I get, I got like Salisbury steak or some shit in front of me, and I'm smelling this, <laughs> this pasta in you know full Italian fest, you know, down the hallway, and uh, and I, you know, kind of sent a message, and they and they sent me down a little food that was cool. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's the best. You've got like the worst three-year-old hospital food they yeah. dug out of the dumpster. And, yeah. Uh, oh, God, look at that. <laughs> the Andretti family, fine, yeah. fine people. But then when Michael, or when Mario finally got in the chair, because he had a, he had like pins coming out of his toes. He he he, he, he broke his foot, too, on that restart. And uh, he wheeled down and just said hi. It's kind of the first... First time I met him, you know, I was a rookie and, and uh, I'd never met him before. Well, uh, we'll go to our first guest here, JV. Uh, Peter Croft, why don't you go ahead and unmute yourself and ask the Flying V a question. Good evening, Marshall. Good evening, Chris. And uh, good evening, Jimmy. It's a pleasure. To be Hello. With you. Um, I had the uh, the pleasure of meeting Stefan Johansson last summer. And he talked about uh, his first time at Indy. And... Uh, getting his first real tour of the track and, and everything fine. And then he spoke about this moment when he first had that long look down the front straightaway into turn one. And he looked at it and, and in his words, uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll paraphrase it. He looked at it and he goes, no bleeping way. Uh, did you have that kind of heart in throat moment when you looked at the track or, or was it just more intimidating or, 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 
awe-inspiring of you to just be around some of your racing heroes at uh, your first Indy 500? Yeah, it was, it was certainly the latter. And I felt like I was surrounded by, you know, a lot of great guys that had been there before that you know, talk. And I've been watching it since I was a kid. So it wasn't like Stefan would have arrived there and never had, you know, many, you know, sensory memories of Indy, right? He'd come from F1 in Europe and, and that was different for me. So it was really just more in awe of the, of, of the grounds, the place. And then, wow, I'm really here. I'm going to try, I'm going to try this because it was, you know, there was like no guarantee you're going to be in the race. And, uh, and, and then obviously, you know, the, the guys I was going to line up against the names, you know, just, just, it was, it was, it was, it was awe-inspiring, obviously. Awesome. Thank you, Peter. Uh, GKS, to, uh, love your profile photo there. Why don't you unmute yourself and ask Mr. Vassar a question? Maybe. Going once. Going twice. Peter, by the way, thank you for uh, all that you do as a volunteer uh, truck worker as well. Hey, oh, we got yes, we got gotcha. you. The floor Hi is there. Yours. Quick question. First of all, Jimmy, thanks for being here. And hey. I'm amazed at the story about going to Lens Crafters when you're <laughs> at the track. Um, What do you make of the the guys, the F1 guys especially, and even the Jimmy Vassers who seem to have, you know, who have Indy 500 track experience being afraid of ovals and the the 500 as a, as a race. Ah, uh, who's afraid of ovals? Well, it seems like all the F1 guys who come no. over. Oh, you can't say that. No, no, I don't think, I don't agree with their, that they're afraid. They just, they just, you know, I think it's just that it's a, the right progression to move into, it, it, you know, something like IndyCar is, is to get familiar with the machine on road courses, something they're familiar with, rather than than just jumping into the ovals right away. I think you see that, you know, that they all eventually, you know, aren't afraid of it, and they just have a have a kind of a measured approach to it, really. I mean, you it, saw Jimmy when uh, when we because we, we yeah right? we come up racing, we're racing ovals with the with the junior formulas when they were doing their Formula Threes and Twos and such, so. They, you know, it's a, it's a sharp learning curve the first year or so, but it, they, they get over it real quick once they know the machine. But is the curve really the, the traffic management? Why is it that much different than being in close quarters with guys on a, a spa? No, it's just finding the limit of the car always going left and yaw. It's a different feeling, uh, you know, for the setups. And you just got to find the limits and the edge of the car and, and learn the car, how it reacts when you dance with the limit or go over the limit with the rear or the front. And sure. then, then, then you're just comfortable then driving in a pack with, with your colleagues and you don't want to, you know, most drivers, you know, 90 high nineties percents, you know, should not want to put your colleagues in a bad spot. Right. Gotcha. Thanks again. All right. Thanks for the call, man. Shit. Sorry. got a little, uh, technical issue there with my mute button um our, our, our buddy zach dean he he requested and then and then, he, and then i approved him and he bailed i don't know but jimmy i got one for you uh real quick um you know you see you see people win the indy 500 you see people celebrate right like you see how they do it but it's been a while since we've seen somebody celebrate like you did when your own car won as a car owner was that was that just built up years of just 
wanting to conquer that place that finally was able to erupt at one moment? Like how define how special that was for you? I mean, you know, having the opportunity to ride in or be a part of anything that wins at Indy, especially the 500, you know, uh, I mean, that's what we all put all this hard, hard work and sweat and love and tears into. Right. So, you know, I, you know, in a way I felt like I, you know, I, I was, you know, when you're on the team, you, you're always, everybody on the team, when the, when the team wins, whether it's a driver, mechanics, everybody, they win. Right. So, even when my teammate Montoya won in 2000, you know, I, I felt like I had some hand in on that, you know, a little hard work in the team. And um, so, you know, when Tony won in 13, gosh, it was just uh, for Kevin, Cal Coven and everybody, we had worked so hard, you know, it's just the culmination of all, you know, of all that hard work. And it's, uh, it's, it's the best feeling in motorsports, really. Nine years ago, and Jimmy's just sobered up from those celebrations, by the way. Dear uh, hashtag racing family listeners, should also just mention, because we love the guy, I don't know exactly how old he is, but I did send a little text to our mutual pal, Olivier Boisson, to uh, wish him a happy birthday today. So, um, Happy birthday, Olivier. One of the finest people. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Zach Dean, our friend who is smarter than all of us, Great to meet you, by the way, your family uh, at Long Beach in person there. But uh floor is yours. Yeah. Hey, thanks. Thanks, guys. Um, hey, for two things. First of all, how cool is this that we get to listen to and talk to Jimmy? This is so fantastic. Um, the, it's just so cool. So the uh, the real question, I'm, I'm just a dude. I, I'm not a race driver. I've never been, probably never will be. What's your favorite track that you drove at? I mean, besides Indy um what about it was was fun you know i was a the, i grew up on the the tracks of northern california sears point and laguna seca and that i think that was really the two of the greatest tracks you could really learn on in a formula ford at young day ages so i will always have those tracks you know deep in my soul really you know and uh but I never got, I never like clicked on when I was in the circuit uh, in cart and IndyCar where I had a favorite track all the time because I, I, it was always just the the one you did best at last, right? And you know, you, it, it, it's never good to go to your favorite track and, and run shitty. So um, that's awesome. Yeah, just uh, so, but the Laguna and. Uh, and we didn't, and we didn't race at Sears Point in the IndyCar, at least back when I was driving. But I would have loved to had have driven the the IndyCar at Sears Point. Could you imagine, Jimmy? And no disrespect to the modern era IndyCars that we have, but just with the explosive power uh, from the cart era cars at Sears Point. Oh my gosh, uh, that uh, scares me. That scares me a little bit. Man, the run, yeah. to turn, the run to turn two would have been absolutely intense. The whole track, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I can, the guys, uh, the modern guys were just racing there. And I remember, you know, Seb just being worn out and qualified, hanging on to the, the DW12 with all the with all the downforce widgets. Uh, it was just it, that was that must have been that must have been something really special for for those guys. Jimmy, um, uh, let's stay at Sears Point for a minute. And this just popped into my head. Maybe you can share the, this story. You mentioned 
Della Pena, John Della Pena, the late John Della Pena uh, earlier. His uh, daughter, Michelle, by the way, she's starting to do some really cool things with uh, in trying to uh, promote and grow women in racing and such. So, but I think it was 1990, the uh, whichever might have been the Trans Am weekend Atlantic uh, support race. I think Bob Lobenberg was in the car and I think it had a stub axle failure too. And he decided he was done. I don't know if I'm remembering the story 100% correctly. I just remember you getting the call. Uh, and, and you were still, uh, you'd yet to get really top line Atlantic opportunities at that stage. And I seem to recall you rocking up to Sears Point with basically no practice and uh, going absolutely insane in the race until, again, another left rear stub axle failure in your Swift DB4 at turn 10, if I remember correctly. Can you tell folks about that? Because it always impressed me that you were like, here's an opportunity, might be a little sketchy. But sitting home on my couch isn't going to advance my career. Yeah, it was uh, it was '89, and I was uh, I think I, I was racing or, or start getting ready to race. Yeah, I was racing uh, in uh, the Formula Ford 2000. Canada. Yeah, yep. I got a call from Delapena. You had the story exactly right. Lobenberg just said, "Hey, I'm not I'm not taking this thing out again. The stub axle is going to shear." And I'm, I don't know where I'm going to be, you know, on the Rear track. wheels come flying off at 100 plus miles an hour. He, yeah, anywhere uh, around Sears Point. You just hope it happens going into 7 or 11. But anywhere else, you're, you know, you're going for a ride. And uh, so he just said, hey, Bob won't drive the car. We think we got it fixed. So I drive up Sunday morning from San Jose and, uh, and uh, to start at the back. And, uh, Bob said, Hey, <laughs> you're crazy, man. It's going to break. And I'm like, Oh, well, I told John I'd drive it. So I'm here. I'm going to drive it. And sure enough, I got a good start and was moving up to the back. I think I four, three or four or five laps in, I was up, you know, maybe top five or even higher. I don't know, somewhere around there. Uh, and sure enough, the thing just, <laughs> the wheel, the, the, the left rear passes me and it wasn't turn 10. It was going into the cork or uh, going into the carousel. So uh, coming out of four, the, the the five, the sweeper, the right hand sweeper, and right in the middle of it, the left rear just passes me, and uh, yeah, so <laughs> yeah, I think we I think we got upside down a little bit, but that but but they they appreciated the efforts, and I got and I got to stay in the car, and they fixed the problem, and it went on to really be the springboard for me, you know, showing. Uh, Jim Hayhoe and Rick Gallus helped out then to help get me into IndyCar, and certainly, certainly Angelo Faro. And that was again, that was the pretty cool and amazing thing is here you are taking this last second opportunity, no practice, no whatever, whatever, starting at the back, and you fire through the field, impress the living crap out of everybody, and. From there, from you taking a leap of faith on yourself, uh, that does open up, if not open up some doors, proves to some folks that maybe had seen your name but didn't know what kind of stuff you're made of. Like you said, a lot of people left Sears Point that weekend going, that faster guy's the real deal. I, I just thought it was such a cool thing, man. Uh, I'm, I'm, fl- I'm flattered, man. I appreciate I appreciate your words coming from you. Shit. But I thought that's, that was it. That was, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm glad I answered the phone. And back then, it wasn't like you had, you know, iPhones in your pocket. I was lucky I got the message. 
basically. I think it was, it might have, he wanted to even date myself. I think it might, I think it was a beep. He hit me in my beeper. <laughs> yes. Did I can just see, <laughs> yeah. I can just see a young Because I, I wasn't even at home. I was, uh, I think I was with this chick and we were out. It was because it was Saturday evening. I was, you know, getting ready to go out. It's like, shit, I got to go to bed. I got to get up early and drive up to Sears Point, you know? Vassar's career all <laughs> contingent upon battery well, and beeper. The beeper. <laughs> Dude, I can just, I have a visual of a young Vassar, flowing hair, can't can't see what's in front of him driving down the road. <laughs> He's got his t-shirt tucked in with the belt on and his Beagle Boy jeans and his van. Well, back it down there a little bit. You, get, you didn't get all that right. So. <laughs> oh man, yeah, uh, that's. I mean, but I mean, that was the technology then. I think I got hit on my beeper, and that's pretty awesome, though. A um, couple more questions here. Uh, our good friend Nardo Narius, fourteen oh seven. You're here. Uh, Meet your yes, Welcome. yes. Good evening. It's a, it's a great pleasure to to talk with all of you guys. Um, just um, in somewhere in South America. Myself, I'm, I'm a Colombian fan, and well, I have a, a couple of questions uh, with respect. Okay. Well, it's, it's a little bit of topic, and well, the first one that I have it's: uh, Is there any place or any museum or something where we can see the the card that you that where uh, which uh, Jimmy Vassar competed with uh, the the Superman card? You competed the the US five hundred in in ninety nine, or is there any place where we can visit that card, or or and what are your memories from from that library, from from that card, which really, uh, yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah, no, th th thanks for the thanks. Thank you, Nardo, for the question. Uh, Chip Ganassi has those cars. He has uh, he has pretty, uh, and it's not a museum, but I, I suppose if you tried to make an appointment to see some of his historic cars in their shop in Indianapolis, uh, uh, Chip Ganassi racing shop. He's got, yeah, he's got, uh, he's got the Superman there. And, uh, however, I, I did see that, that, uh, and maybe it was you Marshall too. Somebody took pictures of my 96 car from the Honda era of uh, yep. 96 with championship. Yep. And it was yep. on the, and that's a real one. Honda owns that one. And that, and they, uh, that might be the real one that they have in their museum, but they showed it at, uh, at Long Beach. Yeah, and what was cool is whomever the kid was that they that was uh, doing the Honda display, he actually had knowledge of the car and with the microphone was giving its full history. And he wasn't to my and I again fully impressed. He wasn't reading from a script. He was sitting there freestyling and and nailing all of it. And, hey, this is chassis such and, and such. Wow. And it did this and Jimmy Vassar that. And I'm like, dude. And he's like tw mid twenties, late twenties. I'm like, you got my full respect, my man. Wow, that's cool. I wish I, I wish I would have stumbled across it, or if I would have known they were giving a, a talk about it, I would have passed by just to say hi. Shit. Well, hell, I would have distracted him so you could push that thing out the, uh, at the, <laughs> the, the the convention, and we'll we'll take that sucker home. <laughs> yeah, that was that. That was that. That was a cool car. That I was I was blessed, you know, in my championship year to have have the Reynard Honda Firestone combination. It was really a dominant machine. One of the greatest combinations of chassis engine tire war era. Like the thing was dominant. Yeah, definitely. Man. Um, all right. Well, we're going to skip on over here to our good friend, uh, Luis Felipe Rojas Calderon. 
Go ahead and unmute yourself. Yeah, thank you so much, Chris and Marshall. Uh, finally, to to meet you both. And Jimmy, uh, you are one of my heroes. I, I'm only 23, but I never saw you race until I was older. Uh, I will have two questions. The first one is: I've always have been admiring your friendship with uh, Alex and Artie because that defined you. Uh, that was not only a friendship; uh, there was only I think that's something else. What things about that is friendship defines yourself at this precise moment and the second one is uh i don't know uh what was your dream that you never fulfilled as a racing driver of course winning the indy 500 but you were a car champion and uh what was that dream to to, to be accomplished that jimmy Vasser uh, didn't make it because i i will tell you you are great driver one of the best uh, american drivers i always uh have there in the reference so yeah that's my time and thank you so much again Thank you. Thank you for the question. I, you know, there's so much to talk about on the first question about my, you know, the defining moments of my friendship and, and maybe it, it answers the second question really too. Uh, but uh, just the time I spent as a teammate with, with, with Alex and Artie was, you know, just develop just, just the best time of my life really. Uh I'm a single guy with uh, never been married and no children. So <laughs> uh, I'm sure that would be the best time of my life if that was the case. But my time was in already just the, the, uh, the friendship, the warmth, you know, the trust between the two of us. And he, he just, it was, it was, it was, it was great, great memories. And uh, looking forward to having some more as soon as he gets back on his feet, just uh, over there recovering still from, uh, from the injury he had on his hand bike. But uh we love Zanardi, and uh, and those were those were some real special times that I spent with with him at uh, Target Chip Ganassi. So, Jimmy, you, you made a comment when the, when the gentleman asked about the Superman car, and you said maybe if you make an appointment, and you can go see Chip's historic cars. That's a whole other world of Jimmy Vassar that you've kind of been sneaking into the last couple of years. You've been doing some vintage racing, some historic. Oh, come on, no, no. no. Well, there's a couple of Formula Ford races in SVRA. It's, it's, it's real fun. Good group of people. Vintage racing is what is what Dario does, you know, and uh, Marino and those guys. So those machines and that they're driving, and they're serious about it. Many events and in multiple classes. Me going out and doing a SVRA race in, once a year in a Ford. I, I don't consider that vintage. It's, it's just having fun with my friends. Uh, Jimmy Vassar, uh, long-time listener, first-time caller here. Uh, I heard some report that uh, you drove your one-year-old Formula Fords at uh, the SBRA event at COTA. And uh, while it might have been extremely successful on the track, uh, rumors that it might not have been as successful uh, in, in it, going it, across it, attack, the tech pad? Attack, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, yeah. how, how many thousands or millions of pounds underweight was it? Wasn't it some silly number? Yeah, something real silly. Okay. Well, hey, you know, they checked, so too bad. But uh, No, I decided we had no idea. We didn't run across the pad, and I had lost the nose, too, on the first corner. So it was Sands' front nose cone, but it was still many pounds under what it should have been. Well... Bless you. Why don't we, uh, Mr. Wheeler, take maybe one or two more questions and then say big thanks to Jimmy for taking some time out of his evening. I loved it. Loved hanging out with you guys. 
let's do it. Go here with Heidi Wolf. Heidi, uh, I'm going to add you right now. Final two questions have been some or uh, guest speakers have been submitted, folks. And so as soon as they connect here through the interwebs and the Twitterverse, Heidi, the floor is yours. Second to last question. Okay. First of all, thank you for the memories, uh, Jimmy. I grew up in Marin County, so my father has a lot of memories from Sears Point, and it's great to hear the stories. Second of all, uh, of the new, uh, the young guys in IndyCar, who impresses you the most? Who has the most natural talent? Wow, there's so many of them, right? I mean, Colton Herta, I mean, right off the bat, right? He's a young guy, and he's, he's, but <laughs> he's to me like the one that impressed me the most, honestly. But you, then you, you you go down to Pato and young Kirkwood, you know, his guy that works with us on the IMSA side. I'm, I'm happy to see how he's kind of getting, getting on. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's a, I mean, do you, do you consider New Garden young anymore? No. Uh, you know, <laughs> um, there's just a lot, there's a lot of, there's a lot of great talent, but Colton Herta for sure. Okay, great. Thank you for answering the question. You're welcome. I was so hoping you're going to say Sebastian Bourdais. That make him feel good, <laughs> Grandpa, over there. It, it would have it helped my, my Friday afternoon check-in with the French fry. But, uh, but no, Jimmy, you'll actually see him this weekend. You guys are on track. You're at Laguna. Yeah, I'm going to see Seb, yeah. Well, well it's, always, it's always worth a, uh, a kiss or a hug. I'm, I'm doing better to get, to get my, uh, my European, uh, you know, welcomings out. Not it's not it's not a, a bro slap or a, or a head nod. So they're not Jimmy. Just so you know, the European men that do that, it's they're not like the trophy girls. You don't go for the middle. You have to start left and then go right. Okay, thank you. Thanks for that. You got a lot. Of, <laughs> you got a lot of experience with that. I see. No, no, no. I just you know, um, Nate. Final question of the night. Nate, unmute yourself. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for taking my call. And yeah, cool, very cool to talk with you, uh, Jimmy. Um, yeah, thanks, thanks, Nate. Cool talking uh, to you. Um, yeah, my first intro to IndyCar was uh, my dad and my brother went to, to see races at Nazareth in, in the 90s. Um, I was just curious any what you thought of the track and, and any memories. I think there's one year it, like it got snowed out one, yeah. one race is or something. So just curious. yeah, you know, I was gonna um, when when somebody asked me about my favorite track, you know, Nazareth is is was one of the ones I would say because it was so so unique and fast. Uh, in, in its layout and um and and, and those short ovals and nazareth nazareth in particular being every corner so different it's like a black art to get your car set up to have a chance to win otherwise you go laps down you get lapped big time and because you get the traffic and, and usually somebody who wins it is really hooked up and, and laps the field or used to anyway and um and so that was that was that was always the really cool thing about that about that track and uh um love nazareth and wish they i know it kind of still lives in in pavement but they took everything the fact the grandstands are the front straight at watkins Glen now um every time i go there i always have a flashback of nazareth front straight uh because the, the grandstands are the same color and put up the same way uh but that, that was an awesome track man very cool thanks Mr. Wheeler, it is now time for you to do your patented mighty fine farewell. 
Well, be- before I do it, I just want to, Jimmy, you got any closing thoughts of your own here as you head off into Laguna Seca or we look back at our, our talk here tonight on the Hashtag Racing Family? No, I just, hey, just thanks for having me on. And, uh, you know, I I think it's cool what you're doing. And I'm just flattered that you guys would uh, want to have me on. And, you know, we covered a lot of ground. You know, uh, obviously, you know, thoughts are with Will Prappas. Uh, he's a good friend and, uh, you know, Alex is, 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 is recovering. We'll send him some prayers and love and, uh, yeah, we're just getting seasons, just getting rolling here for, for a lot of different series. And we're up in, in Laguna with the Lexus RCF GT3, Vassar Sullivan, and, you know, off to kind of a little bit of a rocky start, but showing some promise. So we need, we need to get on a roll this weekend with it, with the team Lexus. All right, folks. Well, that is it. That means we've come to the final end of this evening. Of course, we want to thank our partners, Justice Brothers, Cooper Tire, and of course, TorontoMotorsports.com. As we look back at our talks here tonight, we just remembered or reminded that it's important to remember where we've come from. It's important to remember the experiences that we've had and, of course, apply those to the future. It's really important to remember those that we were on the journey with. Stay positive, stay upbeat. And, like I always like to tell you, Turn around to those you care about, those you love. Tell them hi, support them, reach out, and do what you can. It's been a bit of an off week for us, but we're headed to Barber Motorsports Park for the season wrap-up here, or sorry, the the weekend wrap-up. Marshall's on site. I'll join him tomorrow, and hopefully we'll bring you some more coverage if available. But that's it. Yeah, good luck, everybody. Good luck to everybody in in Barber this weekend. And you too, Jimmy in Laguna. So, without further ado, for my esteemed co-host, Marshall Pruitt, I'm Chris Wheeler. Thank you for joining us right here on the Hashtag Racing Family. We'll see you soon. See you guys. See you, buddy.